0: You're listening to Inside the Minds Podcast with Dante Marsh and Ryan Hyde, where we talk about sports, life, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. 31-yard penalty to support center right. first
1: ball against the Lions year. 29th career interception.
2: Show everybody. It's the uh Inside the Minds podcast. Um, we are with uh myself and Dante Marsh. Uh Dante, brother, it's been a, a New York minute since you and I have uh even talked to each other. Uh what do you been what have you been
0: up to? It's been a while. <laughs> it's been
2: a little while, dude. It's been a little uh, while.
0: I've been, I've been same old, same old busy. Um I took a, a, a teacher role at my alma mater, my oh high school in west oakland mcclymouth high school i'm the PE teacher i started that in november um, i will be coaching defensive backs at laney junior college in oakland california um training still doing my training helping develop and mentor young athletes
2: and just
0: enjoying life man
2: yeah <laughs> definitely we have to man um i've been enjoying life too are you coaching in the CFL this year at all? Has anybody reached out to you?
0: Well, I've talked to a few people, but gotta get yeah. gotta, gotta get the money right. I mean, um, that's an opportunity that was presented to me last year, as you know. Um, in Saskatchewan. Um, would have loved to have to have taken the 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 job offer. It just financially it wasn't gonna work out for me. So I guess coached, which was cool so uh craig dickinson shout out to craig um i appreciate the the, the opportunity and everything and hopefully sometime uh, in the near future those uh, opportunities revisit but as of right now i'm teaching
2: coaching mentor training and with me yeah um i was hoping you were going to tell me that the bc lines reached out to you in a coaching type manner, but um I'm guessing not.
0: I thought RP is the defensive coordinator. That was my teammate for 10 years. So we'll see. Like I said, a lot of people don't understand. It's not it's not just easy like that, right? Um a lot of people think I should have been hired by my alma mater, my college alma mater. Yeah. So um, like I said, it in due time I'm not rushing or pressing anything. Um the main thing is 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 loving what you do and making your passion, your paycheck, right? Um yeah. when, you, when you love what you do. And you're impacting so many young people's lives, right? So for me, um, I'm still in the mix, um, highly impactful. And to see these young athletes reach their goals, right? And you're 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 the one guiding them on their journey. That's that's the most edifying thing to the soul, right? So in due time, I'm not like I said, I'm 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 good. I'm I'm blessed, uh, you know, and just and just trying to impart ways of me and all of the experiences that I were I was afforded, right? I just want to give that to them, and then hopefully they can they can they can get the same experiences that I was able to get.
2: Absolutely. I want to take a second uh, right now to uh, thank the listeners um, that, that tune into the show whenever we post new material, um, which hasn't been that often, but we're going to try and make it more often um, now that Dante and I have a little bit more time on our hands. Uh, we get listeners from China, Korea, Russia, Germany, Australia, I mean, really all over all over the world right now. And, um, you know, without you guys, we don't have anything. So th- thank you. Uh, for tuning in and listening to our shows we really appreciate it um, and to top that off um, i designed the inside the minds podcast website um, as as part of a school project and then i put it live um, and i'd like everybody you know to get on there um take a look around um there's gonna be some new additions coming up in the future if you have seen the website um, and if not then um you know tune in on youtube um spotify Give us a like, uh, give us a follow if you can. Uh, All that stuff uh, helps us out along the way and helps us grow as a podcast. So uh, before we go too far into this or anything else, um, we do have a special guest tonight. Uh, That special guest is a former Canadian heavyweight boxing champion. Um, I saw him fight personally in tough man fights in the early 90s in Nanaimo, British Columbia, uh, without further ado, please welcome to the show, Shane Sutcliffe, Kid Thunder. How's it going today, Shane? Good,
3: good. Thanks. Can't complain. Life's pretty good. All
2: right. Nobody, nobody likes to listen to complainers. I found that out early. Thankfully, um, nobody wants to listen to that shit. People tune you out quick. So you got to stay positive, I'm very, right?
3: I'm very lucky. Got to build this house 18 years ago, right on Miles Lake, and enjoying life, enjoying my kids, and. Trying to live the best life I can.
2: That's awesome. Um, maybe you can take us back into uh, the beginning, Shane. Um, I'm interested to know, you know, how you got into boxing. Was it that you were a bully in the schoolyard and needed an outlet? Uh, 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 or, you know, uh, how what happened? How did you find the power? I, you know,
3: I I started uh, actually the opposite role. I um, I don't know in grade three or four and and i had a friend getting uh picked on and kind of pushed up against the wall and kind of choking him, just just uh being a bully and stuck up for him and ended up uh, making the guy look bad you know he try. he's a big strong grade seven i think i was like grade four and i ended up getting on round like a bear hug on top when was trying to pick me up and smash me and, Tried numerous times, and he was so tired by the time, uh, uh, you know, the bell rung that, uh, you know, he didn't want to fight no more because he was tired. And then we were supposed to fight after school, and and it kind of carried on. And by the time I was going to go to high school, I uh, thought I better uh, go. uh, I I moved to Nanaimo, basically, and started uh, training. Started, started training in tomorrow kickboxing. My mom was a school teacher, and very protective, and she uh, didn't want to see me box, didn't want to uh, uh, me to get in the fight. My dad would let me shoot guns. He'd let me ride motorcycles. and My mom wouldn't let me do any of that. I moved out when I was 14 and started going to high school. and My father, my first tough guy, contest when i was 14 get ready to rumble in victoria which i didn't win but i lost a split decision in the finals against jason heights who's a local guy he's, he's done some well uh, he's done pretty good for himself um i i uh, then basically uh uh fought wherever i could i was doing karate at tournaments and like i won the north american karate championships and then they were at simon fraser university i believe and then they had world karate championships and i won the world karate championships and i fought in tough guy contests like toughest man in the ucom when i was 16 and and won. and they won a tough guy contest and trail on a couple of nanaimo and and uh had uh, uh lost a split decision in Tough Guy contest to John Lambert, who was a Canadian kickboxing champion. I fought him when I was sixteen, knocked him out in like twenty seconds, laid him out cold. And then after that, I uh, they banned Tough Guy contest, wouldn't let me fight in the finals of the BC Tough Man Challenge. Ten grand in the winner. I'd won the middleweight and trail, and the heavyweight and Camloops, or vice versa. And was going to fight in both 10 grand to the winner and the boxing commission wouldn't let me um, because I was underage and didn't want to get sued, I guess, liability and stuff. I ended up uh, can't fight amateur and taking money from these fights. And which is silly because nowadays, I mean, they got pro basketball players and they go do the Olympics. I don't get the rules, but, I didn't really have nothing to do, got a lot of attention and liked it and turned pro when I was 17 and I uh did stuff like um uh, I had my pro debut was 6 rounds, most guys start with 4 rounds, my pro debut was 6 rounds and I uh eventually got uh Eddie Futch was uh uh, I did a public exhibition bout with Riddick Bow in Beverly Hills and yeah. uh, looked pretty good. And Eddie Futch uh, took a liking to me. And then we uh, scheduled a fight against Leon Spinks, who's a former world champion and a gold medalist. Um, his brother, Michael Spinks, won a world title with Eddie Futch, who was the trainer. And uh, we ended up. Um, uh, Working together after I beat Leon Sphinx in Nanaimo and uh, uh, started training with him in Las Vegas. Lived there for a couple of years and, uh, uh, you know, I would train hard, go home, back home to Nanaimo, have off time with my friends and be home and not be running and doing weights and doing all the things you're supposed to do. On my off time to stay in decent shape, I would take the time off and then went back to Vegas out of shape. Kind of a little bit of, uh, you know, I needed to, uh, I'm training with killers, pros, and kind of uh, fought my first 10 rounder. Didn't have a lot of confidence in my conditioning. Ended up losing a 10 round decision in Honolulu. And of course, my, Manager is already there a couple of weeks early with his wife. Um, and I lose the, the fight. I lost my backers, kind of pulled out. I ended up having to pack up my truck. I was living in Vegas, pulled the U Haul back to Canada. You know, I ended up uh, rebuilding myself a couple times. Um, bought uh, on a last minute card at the casino in Montreal. And uh, Interbox was there forming a company that was a management company that I was lucky enough to uh, get signed by and got a big signing bonus. And they gave us nice contracts for years and finally gave uh, me some security. And uh, but I got after a couple of years, I uh, uh, was Canadian champion and. Felt like uh, uh, you know I was paying too much tax and wanted to incorporate myself and uh, instead of them paying me as an employee and whatever, and I had um, started a whole problem with the other fighters wanting to do it uh, too, and and they ended up uh, firing me. I packed my stuff up now from Montreal and went back to. Went back to Canada or went back to BC, where you know I had a home, and uh, I started um, training again, uh, trying to uh, get some going. I got the card again, where I fought Trevor Berbick for my Canadian title. I didn't have sparring partners. I didn't wasn't didn't the. Uh, I smart fought a smarter fight, but I wasn't. Uh, any better shape and I didn't have more, enough confidence maybe and I, it was a close decision I didn't wasn't marked up I wish I would have fought harder and lost another 12-round decision to him and it kind of uh put my career on hold again I did rebuild it got a few wins and uh uh I had uh, taken uh fight was like let's say David Tua right who I had been a sparring partner for in Houston when I was younger and if you know David Tua he's very nice record a lot of knockouts he's a lot like Mike Tyson he's very short and stocky and hits really hard and and uh Mike Tyson on the same night could have fought uh David Tua for twice the payday but he uh didn't and I fought David Tua in the undercard and the only bet you could do was over under two rounds would I make it. I put a couple grand on my credit card that I'd make it past the second round. And I pre told myself if I get hurt, I'm taking a knee and getting my shit together because I got to make it through the first couple rounds for sure. Right. And, uh, Uh, the first round actually won on the judges scorecards and the second, uh, round, you know, I was doing good, but I had my hand up good knowing it, but he came right over top of my guard, kind of right into my face and yeah, he hurt me. I, I, uh, did what I pre-planned. I rolled, rolled to my knee. I uh, waited four or five seconds. I stood up. I didn't wobble, but Jane 80, you know, he's already waving the fight off and, you know, so then all of a sudden, um, Lost to Trevor Berbick, and then I lost to David Toole and the undercard to Mike Tyson. And I'm like um, trying to uh, uh, figure out what I'm doing. I got no management. I take another fight um, with Brian Nielsen, who's 49 and 1. He just lost his first fight to Dick Ryan, who was uh, uh, stopped him. Otherwise, this guy had tied the legendary rocky marciano's record and uh, they're all upset and they wanted an easy fight for him i wanted to come up and uh, stop him and get a big win i didn't think i'd win a decision anyway they made it perfectly clear they were not wanting me to come to win the fight but i went and, and thought oh i'm gonna win the decision but i'm gonna stop this guy anyway and and i end up uh taken this fight and, and they supplied me with the corner. I went there with the matchmaker and had uh, them by the second, third round, I had uh, different guys in my corner a bit and, then, and by the fifth round, my corner enters the ring in the middle of the round. I get disqualified for my corner entering the ring and then uh, within a few weeks I got I got paid like one in the morning that night so I was stressed out about that and then uh they had uh um changed it to a TKO'd in five when uh, I'll qualify for the corner that I didn't even fly up there with coming in the ring in the middle of the round so I've seen uh uh now that was three losses in a row and uh, pretty much uh, I went back. I got a couple more uh, wins fought in one guy that was seven and oh in in Washington. I can't even remember the guy's name. I uh, beat him on a decision. and then i uh, I took one I can't remember this is but my last fight was against Lewis Monaco, who uh, was. Uh, he was most famous for knocking out Buster Douglas. You know, who knocked out Mike Tyson. Big steroid freak. He's a very uh, muscular guy. He, uh, I went the full distance with him. It was a close fight. I lost a majority of the decision. But the guy in the third round broke my rib cage. You can yeah. see that my rib sticking out. Freaking. Yeah. Uh, and uh, trust me. Uh, it's not fun fighting with a broken rib. And, and in the end, if you ever get a broken rib, you gotta remember to lay flat on your broken rib. You don't friggin lay on your opposite side. I laid on the opposite side, and then my rib went over top of my other rib, and then it healed by morning almost. So it's like you can't fix it. Uh, so uh, that was my last fight. i After that, I was like, done, man. I was like, you know I had a broken rib that broken eardrum and and uh, I had just built the house I'm in now and and I never fought after I think I was 30 years old my last fight and uh, now I'm just concentrating on my kids you know I was married for the last 20 years and and uh, my wife died five years ago Um, organ failure she was the love of my life and You know, I was heartbroken, but I have kept it together uh, for my kids. And I have four kids. One's 28 and married uh, for a couple of years. Um, And then I have three kids still living with me at home. One's 20. He works, pays rent. I got uh, two grade 11s. One's 15. And then grade 11, they skipped her over grade seven, went from grade six to grade eight, and pretty much getting perfect grades. And my uh, son torn, he's like 17, six foot four, 215 pounds. I haven't, you know, my daughter, I've taught how to fight. She's had a boxing match and she has a lot of potential. I want her to know, well, but I don't really want my kids to fight. I, uh, I got a lot of damage that I've had. Uh, rotator cuff, you know, I had this surgery in my nose so they could straighten it so I could breathe better and you know, uh, my rib sucks, I hate sleeping on it you know, I uh, my thumb, I got arthritis in my thumb because I had three attacks to the tendon and I broke my thumb when I was younger there's a lot of uh, regret for some of the things I've done to my body but in the end, I'm very fortunate and I'm, I have a Beautiful home, thanks to my wife, and you know she always, you know, life insurance was. Uh, she had life insurance since she had her daughter, who's now twenty eight, right? So, uh, family first for my wife, and and so now I'm just concentrating on my kids and and uh, trying to uh, live a healthy life and and uh, have, uh, you know, hopefully. Uh, Maybe even uh, uh, a grandkid coming in the next year. Or so my wife, uh, my daughter's married and trying to uh, get pregnant, and and I'm just enjoying my my uh, raising my kids. And you know, thanks to uh, uh, getting the opportunity to build this house, sweat equity 18 years ago, and and uh, my wife and life insurance. I just concentrating on my kids and, and, uh, live a good life. And I'm, uh, pretty, pretty happy, I guess. I don't know. I, uh, kind of spurred over, uh, most of my career, but I don't know if you got any questions.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> one, one name that stuck out to me, um, was Jason Height. Um, So I actually met Jason Haidt and Keith Madison.
3: Yeah, he was my first fight I ever had with Jason Haidt. I was 14 years old and we went to war and it was pretty damn close. I got a picture of me connecting with the right hand that looked like uh, a pretty good shot. So it was my first fight. After that, I was kind of hooked on fighting. I liked liked it. And uh, then my second tough guy fight I fought three guys in the same night and they gave us a trip to Hawaii and a thousand bucks for the winter and all three guys I fought. And one of them was Scotty Olsen's cousin. And then all okay. three of them I knocked out and it was just a good night. I remember going out and hanging out with, with, uh, you know, uh, people after the fight and just after that, I was hooked. It was an ego rush. It was Exciting, uh, I was young and didn't feel uh, bad about sparring hard because I was so young, and then you're training with adults and so I just but eventually uh, you know you only get as good as the talent around you, and it's hard to uh, to travel. Uh, all costs a lot of money. You need to uh, make money to be spending money traveling all over the place but i have traveled a lot in my life i've gotten to see a lot of the united states right and you know i did fight in hawaii and and uh, you know where i fought in brian nielsen copenhagen denmark and you know i've uh, did got to do jenny jones show um that's in chicago that's funny uh, I, didn't,
2: I didn't even know about that until today I was looking through some some footage of you and all of a sudden I've seen you on Jenny Jones and that was going to be one of my oh, questions. Oh, I how... wish
3: we had a nice copy of that because it was it was a lot of fun. They just called me up one day and said, do you want to reunite with somebody? Uh, and she used to be like a portrait studio worker at Sears and, and now she's a dancer. Um, well, they didn't tell me that. I went to the show and uh, that's what it was kind of about. And uh, you know it was exciting. We went to Chicago, and uh, the truth is, is that we were together the uh, night even before the show. Uh, uh, they had caught us. They put us in different hotels, different sides of the city, but we still got together, and uh, the show still still went on. And, and uh, it was a it was a crazy uh, experience, and uh, one that I can remember even though i don't have a great memory i do have a better memory for long ago stuff than i do my short-term memory isn't the greatest but i uh definitely had fun that was a moment in my life i won't forget i
2: bet i've got issues with that too um i had a really bad concussion with my construction accident And uh, a lot of times my friends are filling me in on stories of things we did because I just draw blanks. Can't remember it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You know, my short term uh, is a little frustrating. Definitely make lists, short lists. So I don't forget things when I go into town or end up going back into town because I didn't do what I should have done. And a little worse than uh, most people I'm trying to uh, – you know, I, I uh, try not to get frustrated and, you know, definitely uh, definitely paying for some of the choices I made when I was younger.
0: Yeah. Do you regret boxing?
3: Mm, you know, everything I have in my life and the respect of people, like people know me here. It's because of fighting. And in the end kind of everything I have financially, everything from boxing to I um, yeah, I, I, I regret fighting, but you know what? Uh, I'd still do it all over again. I'd just do it way better, way smarter, and there's certain fights I could have taken that I didn't take. Like I could have fought Klitschko for a lot of money. Um, Vitaly Klitschko Way back in the day, I was like, I would have most likely lost because it wasn't the right time and I was young or whatever. But, you know, there's certain, I could have fought John Ruiz. Um, I could have had a couple fights that I didn't take and maybe I should have taken the chance because I ended up uh, taking other fights that I lost anyway. So, you know, it's all about... Um, consistency and staying in shape and getting you know I would uh get a, uh, in good shape fight a few times and then I'd get out of shape and not on the off off time I was supposed to be doing certain runs and certain bits in the gym and I was skipping out and just hanging out with my friends and being a teenager and but we're still going through money every month you know so in the end you know, my backers need to make millions of dollars just to break even. And so I just kind of, uh, killed my career. You know, I, uh, have, uh, uh, you know, injuries with like my rib. When I got my rib, I pretty much quit after that fight thing is, it wasn't really, uh, I wasn't getting uh paydays anymore to make it, uh, um, make it worth my while. I just, uh, uh needed to find something else but i'm um I, I don't i i it is who i am and it's made me who i am and so uh in the end uh uh i would still fight i i i some some reason i still love fighting i still watch the big boxing fights but i'm really into the ufc i started off karate kickboxing the only reason I did boxing is because there was no real money in the kickboxing. I mean, Gordon set, Mickey Griffin, Lloyd Anderson were all world champion kickboxers from our club, and none of them had big money, right? So I was um, always uh, uh, you know, how is it backers? And in the end of it, it's all about millions and then they they rush you because they want to get their money back when it starts just leaking. And uh um so yeah, if I could have go back in time, I definitely wouldn't have turned pro at 17. I would have, you know, uh fought. It's ridiculous that uh they wouldn't let me go amateur because I'd taken some money fighting in tough guy fights. That's kind of stupid. Um so really they should have because now they're letting pro basketball players play in the Olympics. I don't I don't I don't get it, right? Um would have maybe uh uh changed my life if i could have practiced before you turned pro because then every time you make a mistake it's on your record forever it never gets erased right so i was always like when you look back like five six wins in a row that's about all i'd ever get now lose another fight and start all over again and and uh eventually uh uh just hang it up and uh you know, I'm not. I love fighting. I watch all the fights. I do still work out, but I'm not interested in seeing. Uh, uh, I had my daughter fight one because I wanted her to know how to fight and know how to punch. And but you know, my boys, they're not gonna fight. I'm not gonna have any of that. I, I uh, definitely uh, have some injuries and things of happen that make me not want to see my kids do it. But I'm okay with my life. I uh, am happy uh, the way everything turns out for me. I am very fortunate. Um, things could be worse. So I, I, I'm drilling uh, quite blessed. And uh, we'll just um, try to uh, uh, remember and learn from my mistakes. and. Light goes on.
0: Oh, man. Fighting on a Mike Tyson undercard.
3: Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I also, uh, you know, got 10 grand one time, freaking just when he was wanting to fight Peter McNeely, They wanted, like, backup fights, freaking. Just in case fights fell through, I had, 17 and three record or something like that and uh they were looking for white guys same thing i was living in vegas when uh tyson first came out of jail man and he was like blowing through sparring partners and uh, i could have sparred with him a couple grand a week i was scared of him i didn't even want to spar with him <laughs> thing is uh i was sparring with riddick bow same time the he gave me 12 stitches with the upper cut from my headgear being on too tight and then we were at the uh, We were one of the hotels doing a sparring before his third fight with Holyfield and tore my headgear strap right in the bottom of my chin with an uppercut and uh, got like 12, 13 stitches. Um, But, you know, uh, it was always uh, uh, fairly positive. My years living in vegas i wasn't even of age so it wasn't hard to stay i wasn't even allowed in the casinos i was nineteen twenty, right may ID pretty hard um but you know i definitely got to you know experience a lot of life and and uh thank goodness uh you know for my wife and i'm still here where i am today and and i'm just concentrating on my kids now yeah a deal yeah yeah no i uh tough life and you know uh it's always good to uh uh have confidence and and uh like all my kids have have confidence and and uh they uh (laughs) i've done pretty good job i'm i'm happy um you can tell a lot about a person just by their kids and i got some pretty good kids nice that's always a bonus right um yeah one co- sure. one connection
2: we have shane <clears throat> that i wouldn't realize until the future later on um so my girlfriend um her cousin is uh brian zuros so oh, yeah i what, love brian what i'd like to know and i asked you about this um when we first started talking because you never know sometimes relationships end bitterly and you don't want to bring up a name, or you don't want to say the wrong thing. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask Shane. Um, so I asked you. I said, you know, do you do you know Brian? And you said you did. Oh, I it have ended, fond, you know.
3: fond memories of Brian because you got to remember Brian was always a big, strong guy, and you know, he's a kickboxer for Don Arnott, who was my first manager way before, before uh, you know, we started even. Training. He was a fighter like a gen ten years earlier than me, right? And uh, we started training together. I don't know where it is, but I got when I won that first tough guy contest, and I was like just turned fifteen years old, and I won the trip to Hawaii and some money. And uh, he ended up uh, picking me up and carrying me on his shoulder, and they got a picture in the newspaper of him uh, holding me up on his shoulder uh, after I won the the tournament and whatever and and yeah we know we had some wicked sparring sessions and and uh, no he's he's a good guy and he's actually uh, on my friends list that I've been trying to get one of these fight cards on the pay-per-view. I invite my friends over and he's one of them. Nice. Yeah.
2: So was Brian your like I remember him being in your corner. Um, was he your your sparring part or sorry your trainer
3: well no I trained at Tamari Don Arnett and that was where Brian trained too right he he was a Don Arnett fighter from Tamari like 10 years earlier than me but he would help out with the promotion and uh, he's you know would be there and I would be sparring with him and he fought if I believe in the heavyweight division, and then I fought middleweight division because I was only like 170, 15, 16 years old, right? Thing is that uh, really, you know, I don't even consider a guy really a heavyweight to like 220. And, you know, so I was like 19 years old before I should have turned pro. Like, you know, my turn pro I was 194 pounds, and that's a cruiserweight. You know, and then yeah. you cut a few pounds, and you're a cruiserweight. Thing is, and now these guys are huge, man. Like you know, uh, Tyson Fury and these guys. I mean, I fought one guy, Marcellus Brown, was six foot uh, two hundred and thirty-six pounds, and I remember firing a shot, boom, and that hit his shoulder. I mean, it's hard. And you, when you punch up ten inches above your head, get your whole power line off. And you lose a lot of your power, um, especially when you're hooking up high. If you don't get your elbow up as high as your the punches. And, uh, you know, these guys are huge now. Like, these guys nowadays are just uh, so big that it's a, it's a, it's a different world. Um, uh, I'm not saying that the... These these skilled heavyweights are way better fighter than the old days. It's just a different weight division. You know what I mean? These guys are, are huge, and and I uh, uh, you know I think that uh, uh, I you know I don't know. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have thought about going throw uh, a one ninety four when the heavyweight champions are like two hundred and fifty pounds of muscle. You know, it's not, not, uh, wasn't the very smartest, really. I had all these young, they, they liked me. Bruce Allen, Murray Pesham. I had lots of Jimmy Bettner, Stuart Wolfberg, Ellison McClown owns Hella Jet. I had a lot of help Sandy Woods, uh, Bob Wood. I had a lot of guys, um, that really wanted uh, me to fight and do some big, big fights and that. But really, in the end, I just needed years of development without rushing me, and my life could have been different. I uh, went, uh, you know, they, they just tried to do what Mike Tyson was doing, and I'm no Mike Tyson. The thing is, is that, um, but it was exciting because I happened to start off fighting bombs, didn't know how to fight, and I was knocking them out, and I was so young that. I was getting all this attention, but you know long story short, I think that uh definitely uh was rushed, and you need to have good people around because when you're a tough kid, you know you'll take fights that really aren't that smart um i needed uh to, I needed to be yeah they, they need to be more careful with me and uh, things would have been different but you know huda coulda, coulda shoulda there's no point talking about things i could have done different because in the end um you got to uh if you want something you got to live clean and and uh you know you got to train on your off time and and uh you know you got to uh there's basic rules that you got to always follow and you don't even want to be able to think when you're tired you got to know them and uh putting everything together all in the right time in the right moment isn't always easy to do. So you need to, uh, you need to be under, uh, pressure and have good sparring. And, and, you know, if you don't put it all together, it's hard to be, uh, the best you can be. And it's, it's, uh, not a big sport in Canada and there's not a lot of fighters. So really the only way I was, Training and getting better was going to the states and and training uh, with in gyms that had multiple fighters that were uh, better than me and and uh, you know I was always the king of the gym, around Brown uh, and I would I, I would so it, it just makes bad habits it makes bad habits it's you know if you're if you're if you're in the, in the gyms, you're fighting uh just trying to win rounds instead, I'm sparring with people that I'm punching in the shoulders because you don't want to crack them in the chin. yeah, it's just not the same' the whole uh, stress level um, when you're when you're in at real war you' you burn through more energy. it's harder to relax and uh, uh when when people are punching at you. You can't be all tight, you need to roll with things and relax and and go uh time things and, and you know uh breathe out when your guys are hitting you in the stomach. And it's all there's just so many things to uh take into account that you need to uh not have to worry about your condition. You gotta, you gotta, you know, sprinting. And explosiveness is so important for a guy like me. I didn't have great reach. I needed constant pressure. So, without constantly being in fantastic shape, you don't have much of a chance. Um, fighting the way I used to fight, it's hard to uh, win the all when you're trying to be so aggressive. And the truth is, you know, I was a puncher, but I'm no Mike Tyson kind of puncher, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I didn't, you know, You had to learn. You had to learn that. I mean, I had Eddie Futch, um, who uh, trained Joe Frazier and Ken Norton and Larry Holmes and Michael Spinks and freaking tons of other guys. Um, He said I had uh, potential to be a world champion, but you know I lost my focus, and uh, you know, and then once you lose your uh, backing deal, and you don't have the money to be flying around and and then you end up just training with your local guys in the gym and none of those guys are fighting on television, right So uh, in the end um, in the end' I've, I pretty much look back at my career and I'm just very lucky uh, that I'm still in the house that I'm in today and very lucky uh, that I got to work off 45 grand and sweat equity. 18 years ago otherwise I don't know how I'd be doing um but but uh I am very grateful there are people that show me respect and and are are nice to me uh all these years later I uh still still uh you know it it feels good to be, be noticed and recognized and heck now I'm talking to you
2: yeah Dante, this has uh, brought a, a question um, for for me to you. I don't remember if I've actually ever asked you this, um, but in your career, not in your personal life, is there anything that you regret or anything that you wish you could redo? Oh, probably lots. <laughs>
0: I don't have many regrets. Um, no. Wow. I think. I think. Um, I think I fulfilled everything I set out to do. As a kid, it pretty much happened. It didn't happen the way that I foresaw it to happen, or the way I. Good for you. It. But you know, there's there's some things that I've I've probably, knowing what I know now, I would have done a little differently. Like you said earlier, smarter, right? Yeah. Um, but to be a hundred percent unequivocally, without a doubt, honest. I don't really have many, if any, regrets because I think it—I think my career played out the way it was supposed to play out. Could it have been better? Yeah. To me, better—eleven-year at some point Hall of Famer in the Canadian Football League career versus those same amount of years in the NFL. Uh, you get what I'm right. saying? I mean, it's debatable. I got two gray cups. Um, like I said, I'm on the ballot. I've been called, I'm kind of waiting on that thing, versus four or five years, maybe six years, or even eleven years in the NFL and not winning a Super Bowl. Because money, the thing of it is, is you gonna spend that money. Now, unless you get, you know, and I'm speaking, I'm speaking football terms. right? Unless you, unless you in that upper one to two percent that hits a hundred million dollar salary, I mean, you pretty much gonna spend that money. That's, I mean, that's just what it is. So, um, going back to, I was having a conversation yesterday to one of my with one of my good friends, and I'm like, dude, I when I was young, like college and 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 you know, a young man, I loved this shit so much I would play it for free. That's the type of passion that you have to have. And the obsession with it to be very good at it at a high level. Um, obviously knowing what you know as an older man, hell no, you, I gotta I gotta secure that paycheck. Cause we all know, you know, um the toll that the game takes on your body. Um, it's a very physical game. It's it's real similar to boxing except for you got equipment on and shit. So your body, I got I got injuries to this day that I sustained that I live with for the rest of my life. Um, I've had a couple of concussions, but I got all my, you know mentals together so far so good. Um so I'm not really worried about that. But you know it it, it it causes some trauma in your regular life. I i went through a divorce. Um I think that my career played a role in that. I'm not gonna say that was the sole reason, but it was it was it, it played a major role in that. Um but I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't do it different. I would do the same thing all over again. Because that that blessing <laughs> that you have that God placed on your life is for you. You get what I'm saying? It's not for a woman that you marry and have children with. Your destiny is for you. Now, if you find a mate that's willing to you know take that journey with you, then that's a that's that's a bonus, but everybody, both men and women have a destiny and that what what God has for you is for you. And uh, Sometimes, man, you know, when you're on your journey to greatness and accomplishing shit that that was that was you know bestowed upon you, some people won't going be on the ride for the whole journey
2: yeah, hundred percent I absolutely agree with that. I mean, some people i mean they're just they're not meant to be for the for the for the full meal deal, right? They're meant to be for a flash in the pan or a couple of years or an hour. um they're not meant to be with you the whole way. So it's just the way it goes. Just the way it is. I feel like well
0: everything. I got that you... a picture. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: I was just saying I got a picture. I just pulled out of me uh 18 years old. This guy was 19 and 1, 17 knockouts, and I stopped him in the second round of the same night that Tyrell Biggs broke my jaw after doing doing all right. I was 18 years old there that picture's was sports illustrated nice yeah just uh, get that and there's that other one with tyrell big and they're doing that exhibition bout with riddick bow in beverly hills back in the That's day awesome. yeah okay so shane so- um i re-
2: recall that you were supposed to actually fight or there was talks of you fighting mike tyson um how close was that to happening well and, uh, you know
3: when he came out of jail and he fought peter McNeely, they were looking for uh, uh you know a white guy that they uh thought would be uh you know the right fight for him right i just happened to uh uh fit the scenario and i was in Vegas uh training so they did know me and stuff and and i was one of uh the guys that got some money to make sure that case uh in the end they picked peter McNeely, but even after they did they still had backup in case the fight didn't happen and they needed to fill in fight and that that's what i got to do it was there on the the, the same time as uh i was living there training with eddie Futch. okay
2: okay yeah
3: yeah
2: yeah yeah okay so who was uh who's the hardest puncher that you faced Oh, easily David
3: Tua. David Tua can, you know, uh, can really punch, man. I've only been knocked down a couple of times in my life. I've been, uh, uh, you know, I had I pre-told myself when, when I get hurt from David Tua, I was going to take a knee. That was my plan. I went over and over my head because, you know, uh, we have been, a, so I have been a sparring partner for David Tua in Houston, Texas, pitching Buck around in the day. And, uh, you know, so I knew he could punch. And I just watched that he had knocked out a scene Rockman. When I seen Rockman had taken a knee and then Tua, boom, boom, hits him with hooks and, and uh, uh, stops him, right? The thing is, and I had gone into that fight saying to Jane 80, well, if, if I get hurt, I'm taking a knee. If he me and I'm down. I hope he disqualifies ass. And I never should have said that because he looked at me like I'm trying to fix a fight or something like that. I don't know. Anything is next thing you know, sure enough, the only, uh, I'm in the second round. I won the first round. I'm in the second round. You know, you got, you got to remember, he's like, what out of 40, Five fights he's got like 38 knockouts or 41 he's like you know high percent. he uh uh caught me i went down on my face i rolled to my knee i shook my head i waited a few seconds i got up and they stopped the fight that fight should not have been stopped uh you know we're fighting for the north american heavyweight title he's the number one contender in the world just turned down the fight with mike tyson so mike tyson could fight Owen Norris for like 16 million instead of 30 against Tua. And I uh, fight him on the undercard. Right. Uh, yeah. I, uh, he definitely could, you know, I mean, I've seen lots of guys that could punch. There's lots of guys out there that can punch hard, but I can't say I never even sparred with Tyson. I could have, I always idolized him. He was always my favorite. And, uh, truth is i was a little intimidated because i could have sparred with a man but the guys i was talking to uh one of his sparring partners and you know the guy's missing a couple of teeth and you know i just like uh you know i was already sparring with riddick Bowe and that was scary enough and he's a boxer you know he comes out and boxes you right thing is yeah. uh you know i was young right thing is that but no uh uh definitely uh I would say my favorite fighters, Mike Tyson, you know, yeah. except for, you know, Muhammad Ali and whatever in the old days. Oh, of course, you know, uh, the UFC, I think, is unbelievable. Like, I do believe John Jones is fucking the best fighter in the world. Um, but, you know, that is ultimate fighting. That's not boxing. But we'll see how... Uh, What's that heavyweight, that big, huge guy that's maybe going to have a boxing fight that retired? He's the UFC heavyweight champ. And then, uh, God, I have bad memory for names, but you know which guy I'm talking about. He's freaking huge. He punches so hard, whatever. Um, oh, well, uh, I can't believe you guys don't know who I'm talking about. You know, the guy who was the heavyweight champion, he retired because UFC won't pay him the money he deserves to uh, fight. And he sees. Remember, even Tyson Fury was talking about having him uh, fight with the, uh, with uh, you know UFC size gloves on, but a boxing fight.
2: I think I remember that. Um, yeah, I, usually, I watch more boxing than UFC. Oh, yeah, so is, yeah. So. I just
3: I just started. Uh, I have been really been into the UFC. Uh, I you know when I was when I first started in tough guy fights and, and the Karate, I was like in a kickboxing gym you know i would have went down that road if i had the chance but it was more like cockfighting kind of like there was no real sport back then and uh you know i just never got the chance not that you know <laughs> not that that would be a great living either but you know uh, uh definitely uh, you know that's where i was We're karate kickboxing more than straight boxing i trained for the first Six or seven years at a kickboxing club, right? Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure, crazy, man. Yeah, you
2: definitely have to have. I mean, I get I without a, a better way of putting it, you have to have a big pair of, of balls uh, to jump in 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 the ring of yeah. the old uh, the tough man contests because um, well, they, they were pretty I, crazy back in the day.
3: Well, the thing is, you never know who you're fighting, and exactly. guys are yeah. very unorthodox, and you're getting into a lot of guys that think they're better street fighters than they are uh boxers and so you get a lot of awkward shit and uh you know then you uh uh turn pro and you're fighting guys that know how to freaking jab and move and use angles and, and it's a different different game it's hard to uh to uh, yeah, I was learning so many new new techniques. Once I got good trainers, they got to start from the ground floor, and my ground basics were very poor. Right, so you know that's why my uh, record uh, looks more like a hockey team than it does. Uh, 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 you know, a boxing record looks more like a hockey season, right? Yeah. But. In the end, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm still here and and, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I'm fairly happy.
2: Definitely. Well, Shane, um, I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Um, It's been a lot of fun. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time out and uh, letting the world know, you know, what you you did in your career and where you're at now and everything in between.
3: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Maybe we can do it again sometime.
2: Definitely Shane. It's been fun. Thanks a lot for joining us.
3: All right. Thanks guys. We'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Thanks guys. That was a, that was a great,
2: uh, a a great uh, interview with, uh, with Shane, um, a fighter I remember uh, when I was younger, um, at the, so you think you tough fights with my dad, we would go. Um, and yeah, um, he always stuck out my mind and, uh, wondered what he did with his career and where he went and, there you go.
0: The only the only thing with the boxers, um, the ones we grew up watching and revering and having a lot of love and admiration for, they paid the price. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of them taken advantage of financially. A lot of them squandered, made bad decisions with their money. So it's kind of like, when you look at it now, everything is so much more of a business because I think it's, it's less about the love for what it is, and more about the bag.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not only in boxing, but I think football, basketball, baseball, rapping, the music industry—it's all this shit—is the same shit. It's it's no longer about the love and the passion about what it is that you're doing. It's more about I just want to get paid. I just I want the bag. I want to do all the shit that comes with it, all the material shit. I just, I don't know. Like, I was having this conversation the other day. You have young people that have a me. Like, I didn't have a me. I had my dad, which was phenomenal. But did he go play Division I college football? No. Did he play in the NFL? No. Did he play in the CFL? No. He didn't play. He didn't do none of the stuff I did at that level. So he coached me a couple years during Pop Warner and kind of became just my biggest fan. And supporter, right? And taught me so much shit about life. He was limited in how far he could take me, as, like, you know, my dad taking me, his son, you know, getting him ready for that level, opposed to how I can take his grandson, my son, with the knowledge and experience that I, you get what I'm saying? So it was. you did, guys like me didn't exist in the eighties, in the nineties. Really, like right? if they did, it, it was gonna cost a shitload of money to mm-hmm. to, to talk to them, right? Um, I just, its just beyond me how much information and, and the availability of resources that there are today, and these young people refuse to take advantage of it. It yep. blows my mind. So it's just been on my mind the last week or two, and. You know, I just like, damn, man, what like what happened? What happened to the person that was the persistent, consistent, I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna chase this shit relentlessly and I'm gonna accomplish it. That just yeah. I'm not seeing that attitude enough with the with the young people. I just I don't see it at all. And it's like I'm just so thrown off. Cause if we had the availability, all these resources, man, who knows what would have become. Like how much yeah. better could I have really been if I had internet or a cell phone instead of
2: a beeper? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. The one thing that uh, and I, I guarantee you, you've seen this. <clears throat> I was I was playing ice hockey last week uh, with a younger goalie. Uh, he's about eighteen. Um, so we're we're talking on the ice. all <laughs> you got to do it this way to look like this. You got to look like this. You got to look like this while you're doing it. And then he's all in the dress room. He's showing me his fucking Subaru car with a loud exhaust. Look at this. Listen to this. It's, is it really all show and what you look like doing it? Because Dante, when I'm on the ice, I just want to stop the fucking puck. Part of my language, I don't give a fuck how I look doing it. I'm there to do a job and then stop the puck. Is that just the way kids are these days of how I look like this? Like, Yeah,
0: it's, it, yeah. It's more of a show. So for example, the kids are rather get, they're more concerned with the amount of likes that they'll get on social media versus, like they're afraid of failure. We hosted a camp, shout out to Shaq Thompson, BTC, Quan Thompson Family Camp, third annual in Sacramento we did yesterday, right? And you can notice there are some kids, like you got a bunch of us former NFL players out there um, giving instruction and and, and coaching and teaching. And it's it's just a beautiful situation. It's like 400 kids, right? Free camp at that. Um, Some of of them being very discouraged if they didn't look dominant in their one-on-one rep. That's what we're here for. We're coaching you up. This is a camp. It's this, no, there's nobody giving out scholarships at this free camp today. Like, it don't count. They're so concerned with failure. Like, I don't want to be seen failing at something. Like, everything, perfect. Just allude to what you just, the point you just made. Everything has to be a highlight. Yeah. But that's the false sense of reality of life. Like, on my Instagram, social media, it's, that's, this is really me. This is the shit I do. I smoke cigars. I work out. I'm a PE teacher at a high school. I'm a junior college football coach. I'm an adjunct professor. I mean, I do, I wear a lot of hats, but I'm having fun. Like I don't post shit. That's not me. And like, oh, I got everything has to be a highlight and you know, you it's just it's shit is just turned into fake. Like the real is 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 not valid, but the fake is the real now. Like you get what I'm saying? Just so much bullshit. And it's steering these kids down the wrong path. And I I think we're in a sad state of affairs in regards to let's look at ninth graders, right? By the time they get out of high school, they're not gonna have a fucking clue. No. Like look come in my class, it's PE, physical education. All they want to do is sit on their phone. You ask them to, to walk for 10 minutes around the track. Ryan, walk. I didn't say run, I didn't say jog, I said- You said walk. Walk for 10 minutes.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'm gonna bring you up, and give you some bullshit, jumping jacks, some body squats, some pushups for the young men in the class. And I'm gonna kinda, you know, either we're gonna create a, a game, you know, in the gym or on the football field, or I'll give you free time. I got, you know, basketballs, footballs, jump ropes, et cetera, et cetera. How long is it over yet? Oh my God, it's hot out here. Like, I, I bullshit you not. It's just never enough. So it's like, what are you going to do when you have to go to work and you're boss? You can't even have your fucking phone on your person. How are you going to survive for eight hours without your goddamn phone? Like, these are the things that I'm in my mind questioning because it's mm-hmm. it's it's, un, it's so beyond me how the the basic concept of this is a tool to enhance your day to day life. This yes. is oh. That's life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's is man, I don't know. I don't know. I think I I'm just so motivated to. To talk to them and give them the real, you know what I mean. I I always talk to, to my students or, or or my or my clients or my players. I'm always talking to them because, I I I want it to get back to the way it was when we were that age. We had villages. When I say villages, we had a bunch of a bunch of people working together, or inadvertently working together, being a piece of you know, playing a role on that journey for that said individual, whether they knew the other people that were playing the roles or not. Everybody on your journey, you had teachers, you had coaches, you had your parents. I was blessed and fortunate enough to have both my parents. Hmm. My dad passed when I was 26. My mom passed, what, seven years ago. So, I mean, you know, I was blessed and fortunate to have that. But even, even if some that didn't have their biological parents—you either had an, aunt, an uncle or a grandparent, um, you know whatever you were lacking in the home back then when we grew up. You had, I like coaches that were great mentors and surrogate fathers that played a yeah. pivotal role in the development of said young person. Yeah, I just want to get back to the essence of that because where are we going as a as a world? is just on some bullshit, and I'm I'm just really not feeling it because nobody wants to work. And when I say work, I'm not even talking about like a job. I'm talking about as a student, and I know I'm rambling, I'm running off on a tangent, but it's just on my mind. Like my job when I was growing up was to go to school and get good grades. My mama and dad, like you ain't got to go to work. We ain't, nah, nah, nah. You play sports, you go to school, get good grades, play sports. That's your job. Yeah. And in exchange for that, we're going to provide a roof over your head. We're going to buy groceries by school, you know, that's basic when you break it down to layman dummy terms, that that was the deal. That was the, you know, that was, that was the deal. I yep. go to school, get good grades, play sports, be the best version of me that I can be, you know, and you're going to take care of me. So I didn't have to go out and like some other teenagers and get summer jobs and shit like that, you know? So I just don't understand how they don't value that they don't understand that concept no. You come to school and you and you and you don't want to do anything and anytime an adult asks you not tells you but asks you to do a task, oh my god you do it's doing too much and just i I, I don't get that shit in these this these times we're
2: living in i just I just don't get it so uh when you see that um, you know, if you're either on the field coaching or you're in the school system teaching, running You know, PE class. Um, how hard is it for you to not roll your eyes and just say "fuck it" then and like walk away? Like, how 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 are you able to, to contain yourself during those moments?
0: Um, I don't just say "fuck it." I I i, I don't get I'm I'm too attached. I, I'm too emotionally attached to the idea of. I know who I am. I'm, I'm great. I was, I'm blessed immensely. So I was put in this position for a reason. You know, God gives his, his, his most difficult battles to his strongest soldiers. Right. So yeah, I am I'm, I'm venting in a sense to you, my co-host, my boy, my friend, but these are day-to-day things. I am not, I, I just haven't got desensitized to say, fuck it because I get a nice yeah. pace. You know, I don't yeah. I I don't think that's in me to do it now. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes it usually happens on Friday too. <laughs> Where the kids yeah. fucking, they, fucking, it's ape shit. Like they do shit just like y'all just waited till Friday to do all this stupid shit, right? Yeah. But I do know that it's my old high school. I understand the demographic, you know. I'm from that soil so it doesn't it I, I understand some of the the difficulties that some of these students are are, are going through or have but still all, no, it's not nowhere near what it was when we were coming up a lot of these kids yeah. are just spoiled ass brats they don't even eat lunch at the school they get a uh, door brought to them at school <laughs> food
2: or, I, I'm telling I never you even, sorry, dude I never even thought of that I'm sorry but I'm not surprised, but I never even thought of that. That's crazy.
0: They don't even eat the cafeteria. They too good to eat that shit. Same shit I ate twenty something years ago. They ain't. Mm-mm, they they're they're getting food delivered to the school, <laughs> like wow. ordering shit like Uber Eats. Like I'm just like <laughs> that shit is not
2: cheap. I mean, <laughs> dude, you gotta you gotta start up uh, on a Friday just to fuck around. You gotta start up Dante Eats, or just you know just fuck with him a little bit, right? Come on.
0: It's it's you know and I and I, I I'm winning but I'm also just I want to under I'm trying to understand because I I'm pretty good like I said I I think I was placed in these positions for a reason so it does not bother me yeah it pisses me off but at the same time I'm gonna I'm gonna help them I'm gonna tell them look you want some bullshit let me explain something to you the yeah. world does not care the world is not so you guys are just floating not really understanding the state of the world right now do you know that the u.s dollar is gonna be is is the value of it is gonna just be nothing do you understand that other countries are like linking up to create bricks to create the the, they want to they want to Stop relying on the value of the U.S. dollar. Do you guys understand that? You guys are on your phone doing TikTok and shit, challenges, but you're not paying attention to the shit that's going on really in the real world. You know how high gas is, you know what I mean? How, how high a goddamn uh, car, uh, uh, dozen eggs is at the store? Just sit back and look and see what's going on. They're not even, and they're on this shit more than us, and they still don't have a clue. Yeah. So I talked to them from a realistic standpoint. I said, I asked my students all the time. I said, "Do you want me to give you a pretty lie or the ugly truth? Which one is it?" Take the ugly truth every time, personally. Exactly, but they, it's. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna give up, because even though you have a bunch of students one or two or three or four or five that may listen out of 100 or 200 or 300 or a 1,000, you still made an it
2: impact. worth it. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely, definitely worth yeah. it. I mean, I mean, it comes down to maybe in 20, 30 years that that student as an adult might say like, man, that, that Mr. Marsh, you know, that Coach Marsh, um, you know, really reached me at the time when I was kind of unreachable. And I'm here now because of, because of him. I mean, if you were, were told that, I mean, that would be, you know that, that 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 would mean everything to me if somebody told me that that I had that much influence on their life. You know,
0: I had a couple of those instances. So, like I said, it's you can't you can't compare like that. the The feeling is just so edifying to the soul because you know, like, damn, like we don't really sit and think about stuff like that. We kind of just you know, when you it really it's a humbling experience to know like, dang. I really poured into this individual. Now look at him, you know that was dope as shit. Like he took everything that I told him, or she took everything that I told her, and 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 it, and it, it made it relatable, and then it translated into success for them. That's where I get all, you know, I feel good, but it it, it humbles you because, like, yeah, damn, you know, God truly used you as a vessel, right, to mm-hmm. reach people so I just I don't know man um we none of us are perfect but we you know we genuinely got these good hearts right so like I said being placed in positions for a specific reason and I get that and what I, my thing is I always as the as I've gotten older I started to think like yo at my at you know for my eulogy what do I want people to say about Dante yeah. I don't come up and lie you know
1: mm.
0: and i don't want people to come up and be able to talk shit about a bunch of egregious shit that i've done so i have to start living my life in a way where if people are speaking at my funeral they will have excellent things to say that's right yeah i've been doing that too man legacy definitely man. You know? yeah you you, you want to that's where my mind is today at forty-four years old. Like, damn, mm-hmm. I gotta live up to my great-grandma Marsh. I gotta. I, I started thinking in these greater terms because we don't like when you're young, you don't give a fuck. You like, I don't. You don't think about your great grandparents and shit that they went no. through, sacrificed sacrifice for you to even generations later to be in a position that you know that you're in. And now I just I think about that stuff now because it's like, yo, you know, I, I want to. I want to put myself in a position to steal, you know, the Tupac effect or the Malcolm X effect or the Dr. Martin Luther King effect, right? Yeah, still gonna be a legend, grieving the dead. That's 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 kind of where I'm 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 leaning towards thinking nowadays. So everything count, right?
2: I don't know if um, Hmm. I think for me to to kind of see things in that way um or having people close to me that have passed away to realize that life is over short and i realize that as we get older as we mature we're going to see things differently but i think a lot of it for me is realizing that you know this isn't this this game is a flash in the pan and we're out um things can happen quickly and i think that's where i started to think that way
0: no i i agree with you one
2: thousand percent you know seeing
0: my mom it's already been seven years now. like 2016. That shit seems like yesterday, but it's, it's already seven years. And then my dad, 2005, a night before we played Calgary in preseason. So, you know, I think about him all the time. You know, go, you know, my go-to is I talk to him about just sit there and talk, 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 talk about nothing. Just great conversation, right? So, you're right. So that's that, that propels you like puts fire under your ass to give you the sense of oh, shit I don't I, tomorrow not promise, you know. And um this past couple of years I went to a couple of funerals of some childhood friends of mine. And that puts things into perspective. One of them I had talked to on a Friday for about an hour. And then that Sunday had an overdose, accidental overdose. Some it was laced with fentanyl or whatever. So I just that threw me for a loop. I'm on the phone talking to you for over an hour. We like good, you know, you sound good, everything's good. And then Sunday, you know, it happens at Monday morning. I get a text. So it's just like putting things in perspective like, yo, I don't, I can't take none of this shit for granted. I got every every day. That God blesses me, or you know, the most high, whatever entity that's the highest of, <laughs> is yep. giving me the ability to wake up again. I got another 24 hours to go try to chase this shit. Yep. And the main thing is just the biggest misconception that people have is we got time.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna bring up Nam up to you right now. <clears throat> um You and I had talked about having him on the show. Unfortunately, it was either last year or the year before he passed away. Uh, You you will probably remember. Um, And because he can't join us, um, I just wanted to to talk a bit about him. Um, And that player was Lynn Schell. Um, Lynn had stopped. I think it was a shooting. And I don't remember where. It was in a school. I think he was teaching. And somehow I believe, yeah, he was able to wrestle, wrestle the gun out of the shooter's hand or something. What do you remember about Linchell? Lynn
0: Linjay, Lynn Linjay Lynn was hella funny, and it's crazy you 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 say that because I was going through my phone. I got so I got like a two hundred fifty gig iPhone, and I don't I was going I was just going through my phone, and then I came across his contact,
1: and I had I had talked to Linjay, not to uh. Like it wasn't far apart from him succumbing
0: to what he what he succumbed to. I didn't know, you know, uh, this hell of funny, <laughs> uh, got a guy had a good heart, real good heart, um, stood stood for shit. Like was adamant about standing for something. He he was he was one of those. You know, so I, I and I and I myself, I, I feel like I'm that way. Like I stand for shit. You know what I mean? If I believe I'm firm on it, I'm, I'm gonna stand on it. He was, he was one of those, another alpha male, you know. Um, but once again, charismatic, hella cool. Um, like I said, funny as shit, like always cracking jokes, always, you know, then to do the serious shit. It was just, he was a good teammate for the couple of years I I, I I had to, you know. Um, had him as a teammate, and like I said, we we he's in Florida. I'm back in California. Text and shit, like we text not too far apart from the incident, and I couldn't believe it, you know. And him and him and Byron Parker were real close because they they both were in Toronto before they came to BC. So me and Byron talked. Yeah. <laughs> J was a good dude, man. So yeah, rest in peace, man. I I, I was. I came across this contact the other day. A couple people's contact in my phone that's no longer here. So shit, it's like we we don't have the time we think we have. So it's like, you know, try to max it out. Um, and every day is a blessing. So like I said, just try to keep chasing that's that's the beauty of life, right? And I, I always use this analogy. I said, I tell some of my players, I said, Jerry Rice played. He was like thirty nine years old, forty years old. He was what thirty eight with the Raiders, over twelve hundred yards receiving, multiple touchdowns. He went to the Pro Bowl at almost forty years old with good, with excellent numbers. Um, I said, I this dude is what? What he win three, four Super Bowls?
2: Four, I think. Yeah.
0: And, dude, he's a Hall of Famer. He has, like, 50-something touchdowns more than the next two closest guys, which is Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. Like, he's the greatest receiver to ever touch a football field. Yeah. And I tell him all the time, do you guys know why he played so long?
1: No, Coach. Like, I
0: I said, I don't – he had every accolade you could have. I think – and I can only – I can only – speak on this cuz this is what i believe cuz i feel the same way
2: i was going to say heart determination i don't know what you're going to say but that those are the reasons that, why i think that's
0: automatic with 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 most great athletes hard work and determination those are those you have to have those elements or you're not going to be as good as you become right true so yep it was the fact like i think it was Now follow me i think it was he had multiple touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I think he was a Super Bowl MVP, if I'm not mistaken, at least once. Yeah. But he did, did not – come on, man. It's nothing he didn't do. But I think what drove him to keep playing was he's thinking about, oh, that drop pass that I dropped. Right. Or that, that missed touchdown that I didn't catch. Or or I had 13 catches, 200 yards receiving, and two touchdowns, but I dropped the five-yard slant. Right, it get the first name. like so. That's the way I think of things. Like I'm, I'm basically saying in a nutshell: if I no. woke up every day and it was like Groundhog Day, and I had I never could be better than my current situation, I probably wouldn't want to live. No, like why would you? There's there's nothing to look forward to. No. But the simple fact that I, that whole story I said was to to give you the picture. I'm chasing greatness. The, 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 the parallel to this shit and the crazy part to this shit is you're never gonna, you're never gonna be great. There's let me let me take that back. There's levels to being great. Yeah. The greatest that you have in your mind, you're never gonna reach it. That's the journey. That's the beautiful shit of it because you can't never get it. It's unattainable.
1: Yeah.
0: Because there will be always something more that I feel like I can do. And I just don't have the time to get it done. And when I say time, I'm talking about real time. And the more time you get older and older and you age and you're not able to do the shit. Yeah. So in essence, you don't have enough time.
1: Sure.
0: So that's the way I think. Like, yo, I woke up again today. Somebody somewhere did not get the privilege of waking up this morning. But Dante did. Man, I, I got to fi- I got to think I got to be in my have my creative juices flowing. What ki- what can I what what kind of message can I give one of my players um one of my students what, yeah. what what can I impart on that person to to give them a different outlook on life other than the way they see it for themselves right now because they're 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, 21, 23, 25 I've been that age. They haven't been forty-four, so yeah. I can help impact their lives. So now, once again, information. If we had this, if I had this forty-four-year-old information at fourteen, yeah. man, that's 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 crazy. That's genius-like. I had this capacity to think the way I think now at fourteen. Oh my god. So to me, I'm, that's the that's the thing. It's just like when Milt Steag took me and Corey Banks under his wing when we were all living in Atlanta and showed yeah. telling us about the business of this shit.
2: Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, that was huge.
0: So then I became my own agent up there and then I paid it forward. And I think that's yeah. why I was I still could have played about three more years. I think that's why things happened in BC the way they happen, because I became what Milt was to me and Corey, I became Milt and Cobra. You know what?
2: <clears throat> I think that's the best and could have been, and Milt would probably agree the, the best way you could thank him for what he taught you was just paying it forward. I bet you, if you sat him down and you said, Milt, how can I repay you for this? I'm almost willing to bet he would say, Re- you know, pay it forward.
0: No, no, no. We have, we have a great relationship. Like, right? he he taught me how to be a professional. Even though I was, thought I was already a professional, he really showed, showed us how to be a professional.
2: Did a you good. still have the dreads?
0: Yeah, when I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, cause I might've been, I might, if I was melted, I might've been like, Dante, them dreads gotta go.
0: <laughs> I, I cut them cause I wanted to cut them. And then like, I got rid of all my gold teeth and shit, but you know, when i say professional i'm not talking about that i i was i was i was always a, a sharp tool in the in the, in the shed in the toolbox now mama and daddy raised no dummies. so i just for me when you mature you put away sh- you like i got nice pearly whites why am i wearing all this expensive ass fucking gold in my mouth
2: diamonds was, and shit it was a cool thing to do back then i'm sorry to say it, but i mean you yeah. know we. With-
0: from you know, from where I'm from, that that was a thing. Like you yeah. know, growing up as a kid in the '80s, like dope, boys, yeah, gold teeth and shit. Like that was a thing. So you know, you go through phases, and then you you grow you grow out of them because you mature. You know, um, when I was a when I was a boy, I did childish things. When I became a man, I put away those childish things. Right. So I'm gonna always be a big kid at heart, but there's certain things I just won't fucking do. Like that's dumb. Why would I like? It doesn't make any sense because maturation process, and I'm a grown ass man, and I got things that, you know, I, there's a lot to on the line to lose, Yeah from doing some of the shit I did 20, 30 years ago. So, you know, milk, milk will forever, I, we will forever be indebted. Now I got so much love and respect for milk because he didn't have to do, you know, he didn't have to give us intricate details on how to conduct our business you know so gotta pay it forward and that's why i'm in the position that i am now doing what i'm doing now and i'm paying it forward and it's paying huge dividends you know yeah so yeah that's that's what drives me every day it's not about me so much like i'm i feel like i'm blessed beyond measure like i made it one percent nfl cfl professional football division one college scholarship out of high school like God has blessed me crazy. Yep. I'm still getting blessed. So I'm not, it's not about me. My career was great. I don't have any regrets about my career. I mean, my name is on the trophy twice. That's over a hundred years old. That's yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I was one of the best. Yeah. At my position. One up. Yeah. I don't have, and that's why I say in regards to regrets, I don't have too many because it it was good i didn't i'm not i'm not al bundy right now i'm not oh i scored four. Touchdowns. <laughs> i don't no, you got to be humble right you got to be humble man cuz i'm not tripping cuz it's 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 it it's it happened it, i don't have to relish in what was because what's going to be is even greater yeah. so i did what i did okay if whoever thinks is great cool if they called me, I talked to them when, if, and when it actually happens and I get to fly up there and do the whole shit. Great. If not, I'm I'm not gonna lose no sleep over this shit. Cause no. knowing everybody else know what it is. So yeah. and, and and what I'm doing now is 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 uh, fulfilling. So I'm I'm not still around the game. I'm still I'm a young 44. And I'm having fun and like I said, I'm, I'm I'm being highly impactful in these young men's lives. So that's, that's where I get a lot of my excitement from, still because I'm still in it. You know? Yeah. Like, guys, they're not playing no more, and it's like they don't know what to do. And they're like still weren't thinking about Motherfucker, that was 11 years ago, playing my last football game. I, I don't want yeah. to
1: football games.
0: Even though I probably could, I just, I'm in
2: it starts crazy to think it was already 11 years ago. Like, it has gone, like, that fast, man.
0: Shit, 2014. Yeah, well, it's, it's getting close to 11 seasons. It's been a long time, and I I don't – I'm not missing it as a player. I miss the locker room. I miss all my teammates. I miss Cato, rest in peace. You know, um, there's some people that's no longer here that I had a good relationship with that. You know, you know, things change, times change, people change, people come and go. Eventually we all got expiration date, unfortunately. Yep. So let's max this shit out. Enjoy your life as much as possible while you're here. And you know, that's what I was talking about earlier, is that legacy that when I'm done, I want people to still be in this platform and I'm brought up in a positive light. Yeah. I agree the legacy part of it man we gotta we gotta do some exceptional shit while we're here because that's why we are here right and that makes it makes it better because somebody coming along up after you and alluding to what I was talking to about earlier with milk, he giving us this knowledge you now I gotta pay it forward so the yeah. same way with us is the same way I am as a coach as a mentor you know there's, there's, I mean, you can't grow, and we come from that era where we not. Oh, I my old motherfucker don't know what he talking about. No, we listening because we're learning. Information is critical.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Information and communication rules the
2: nation. That's right, <laughs> and we we never stop learning, right? We're learning every day, right now. Soak it in, right? Absolutely. So that's just yeah. that's just my biggest gripe with the younger
0: generation. They just they think they know every fucking thing. And they don't know they don't know and they not. they, they just da, 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 da. and then it's like when i was that age I, I was yearning for information it was great it was to help you out if somebody would give me if i can if somebody could tell me hey i'm what do you want to what do you want to be want to be yeah. a real estate agent you want to be a lawyer a doctor you, you want to be a construction the, the general manager of a company <laughs> what is it that you aspire to do and if I told them, and they would say, "Well, look, take my hand. I'm gonna walk you from A to Z." Yeah, I'd go, hundred percent. twice. Hell no. yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I say all that to say that's what's going on in these young people not taking the hand. So, Can you
2: imagine that, Tay? Can you imagine that? Like you just said, <clears throat> if I'm if I'm if I'm 13, 14 years old, and I walked up to you and said, "Mr. Marsh." Dante, I want to be a professional football player. Can you please put me under your wing and teach me everything you know and please help me try to get to that point? I know damn well you would do everything you could. But that, you, of course, you're fucking right.
0: So when, I, when, I, when I've done speaking engagements, right, or I'm talking to a lot of young people, whether it's at a camp, in a camp setting when I'm talking to my players at the junior college or if I'm doing speaking engagements at schools or just with athletes in general, Young people, what is the most crucial thing that you can ever have? What must you obtain? They looking around, they throwing out answers. Get yourself a mentor. That's the most important person. Find someone that you have admiration and respect for and that you aspire to do the exact same shit that they're doing. Make sure they're successful and you have this respect and admiration for them. You go get under their wing and become a sponge. That's a mentor. That's the no. most important fucking thing a young person can have, a mentor. So now you have somebody that's been successful in whatever the field is you desire that's fucking successful. They can show you how to be fucking successful. Yeah.
1: You
0: know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. If, I, if I want to make a lot of money, that shit is tapped out. If I want to make a lot of money, then I need to hang around and put myself in circles with people that make a lot of fucking money. Yeah, yeah. I say it's this law of attraction, energy, universe. So get you a mentor so they can explain to you the pitfalls. Hey, just like when, you know, uh, was it Mufasa is telling somebody, hey, all of this shit is yours, right? But don't go over there because the hyenas are over there. You know, giving them the lay of the land, and you know, showing them the pitfalls of, of what's, what what he will be dealing with once he becomes king. Yeah, yep. young got to be more receptive. We were res- more receptive than they are. It's yep. too much of a gap, and it's a it's a a, a budding of heads is why I think that the world is what a Western part of the world, our part of the world, is in such chaotic times. It's such a chaotic mess. Because nobody is seen eye to eye, and nobody's willing to be receptive to information—good, positive information. That's just—I don't know, man. I could talk about this shit all night. That's—I that's, <laughs> just—that's just truly what I believe. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if, like I said, if somebody's going would have told me at 14, 15, okay, what is what what, what you want to do with your life? Yada yada yada. Okay. Take my hand. I'm going to walk you your on your whole journey and show you how to get there. Say less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to ask me twice. Yeah. I mean that's I that's just, so. I think with this generation, we're we're dealing with young people that just refuse to take the information because they think they know got all the answers. So you really don't. You haven't lived long enough to know anything. All you know is the shit you see on social media. You haven't. Once again we were outside every day right these kids don't even yeah. to. no i know we were yeah. getting real life social skills in the streets
1: yeah <laughs> you yeah
0: know, go to amusement parks great America six Flags hey at five o'clock let's meet back up at this at the water fountain and see who got the most phone numbers these four were like all the amusement parks back in the 80s and 90s like there there wasn't no phones We had a bread Goddamn beeper. Then you try to remember you had to find a pen and take. And I got to get this girl number and write this shit in.
2: Yeah,
0: it's different, man. So I just that's that's one of my goals is to is to kind of bridge that, give that that old school eighties and nineties aura, that essence of what that era was for us. To try to give it to them because i think we lived in the best the best decades ever the best era ever
2: thank you for joining us on this episode of inside the minds podcast with dante marsh and ryan hyde check out our facebook youtube and twitter accounts to see our upcoming show announcements links to our previous shows and sound bites and don't forget to hit that follow button while you're there Hey, this is Logan Bandy.
3: Hi, this is Zane Fraser. This
2: is Art Jimerson.
0: Chris Reining. This is Boots Electric. And thank you for joining me on my special guest spot on Inside the Mind podcast, where everybody wants to be if they're
2: smart. Good field position. Start play
3: action. First, going to load it up. But he's short on the throw, intercepted. Dante Marsh has his 30th career interception and a good return back into Ottawa territory. Good well, the usually strong arm, Henry Burris comes up
1: short. <laughs>